It is uh, good to be here tonight uh, sharing some thoughts from the second half of Jude with you. And I look forward to um, what the Lord would work in our hearts and minds tonight as we consider this, uh, this passage. I was excited to uh, grab this section uh, when it came out uh, last fall. Um, Brian gave us a list of passages to look at, and this, this particular passage was on my heart. Uh, because we just returned from the um, men's retreat at Galilee. It was late October. And how many remembered Joe Reese's uh, four points from this uh, letter? I won't put you on the spot, but uh, uh, Joe outlined uh, four R's from this uh, chapter. And the last one was rejoice. And Joe being Joe, uh, never quite got to rejoice. And um, if you missed the Sunday morning, uh, he touched on rejoicing. But my heart, my hope is to uh, kind of dwell on, on the thought of rejoicing uh, tonight. And I've got a working title, uh, Six Exhortations and an Exclamation Point as, as we look at this last part of Jude. And I also have a prayer request for Joe. He's on our heart and minds. Uh, as uh, many of you might know, he's in the uh, Ottawa Heart Institute and um, not doing well tonight. But make sure I read you the full prayer request uh, at the right time for prayer. We'll pray for Joe tonight. But uh, he encouraged me to uh, look into this uh, passage a, a bit more, as he did all of us who were at the men's retreat. And I look forward to sharing some thoughts that the Lord's put on my heart. And as you might recognize, I've borrowed uh, Jeff Hearn's uh, slide deck. I like the uh, uh, look of it and the idea. and. Um, Jeff was kind enough to let me borrow his, uh, his slides. And um, uh, just again, in way of context, in case you missed last um, week, Tuesday night, the first part of uh, Jude, let's read it again together. Just the first three verses of Jude. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. And Jeff uh, drew out what, what this thought of contending for the faith was. And um, our um, accountability to contend for the faith. And um, I just want to remind you, as you see yourselves in, in verse 2 tonight, those who have been called, who are loved by God, that's our calling. And verse 3 gives us our commission to contend for the faith. There's other commissions in Scripture, but this is a good one to contend to, to the for the faith that was given to us 
once and for all. And we have a responsibility to contend for the faith. The uh, thought of exhortation that I'll, I'll dwell on is uh, communication, emphatically urging someone to do something. So as, as we read uh, the last half of the, uh, the letter tonight, be looking for the exhortations that uh, Jude gives us in order to contend for the faith. And we'll start in at verse 12. Uh, recalling again that um, as Jude wrote about contending for the faith, he warned us to be on watch for those who are teaching false doctrine, creeping into the church, confusing people, and teaching wrong doctrine. And he continues in verse 12, saying, These men are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm, Shepherds who feed only themselves, they are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Quite a description of, of these men. And um, it's not my intent to dwell on on these men much further jeff well covered uh, the judgment that's going to be poured out on them uh, quite a vivid almost poetic description of, of them at this point but then reading in a verse 14 enoch the seventh from adam prophesied about these men see the lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in the ungodly way, and all the harsh words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. It's tempting to maybe skip over this little section about what Enoch uh, prophesied uh, but it's here for us to uh, kind of think about and uh, i won't go into too much detail um, some would see this as as a controversial part of jude's letter why would jude quote something that's not scripture and others would say well that shows that the word of god is not inspired uh, by God, because Jude's quoting someone else, but um, I don't see um, a fault with Jude recognizing that there was this writing purportedly by Enoch, and he wrote this uh, section, see the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands, and uh, we need to just kind of realize that there is this writing, there are books called Enoch 1, 2, and 3, um, they're not scripture, uh, but they're available for study. And um, in parts of the writings, they do prophesy about the Lord coming. And that's exciting. The Lord's coming with thousands upon thousands. That's really exciting. So Enoch was a prophet, uh, Jude would say. He wrote this way. And he speaks about the judgment these, these men are uh, facing and um, if 
the thought of studying about Enoch intrigues you, I want to recommend the, the gotquestions.org website, which deals with this, this passage quite well. Uh, who was Enoch? What's, what are the writings about? Why are they not scripture? Those are good questions to ask yourself, but I believe the Lord inspired, Lord God inspired you to write this the way it's revealed to us, and he quotes from Enoch, the seventh from Adam, speaks about the Lord coming. But we'll go on to the six exhortations and the exclamation point. So Jude would carry on writing in verse 17. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, hold yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forever. Amen. Reading from the New International Version, I'm sure your texts would have similar wording. And just so there's no mystery, these are the six exhortations that I want us to think about tonight. Verse 17 tells us to remember the words. Verse 20 says, build yourselves up. Verse 20 says, pray in the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, stay in the love of God. Verse 21 also says, wait for the Lord's return. And verse 22 says, show mercy. I hope as I share some thoughts on these uh, six exhortations that you're encouraged uh, to be thinking similar to uh, the way uh, Jude has laid it out for us and, and be ready to contend for the faith. So the first exhortation is to remember the words. Remember the words of the apostles in particular, but I think for us that would include remember uh, the word the written word of God. We are fortunate in this day and age to live with the complete canon of scripture, with the words of the apostles written out for us. Imagine what it would have been like when, when Jude was writing. They would have had scrolls, bits and pieces of, of scripture, uh, perhaps a, a letter from Peter, a letter from Jude, and... and uh, they were exhorted to remember the words of the apostles. What a fortunate era we live in when we have ready access to the full word of God. And I'm so thankful for this little device that, uh, um, if you miss me holding up my cell phone, that um, 
It's just a device that we all uh, ubiquitously carry and have the scriptures uh, here, and we have Google to help us remember who wrote what where. And um, I marvel that um, even with all the helps we have, I, I still can't remember sometimes uh, where to find a particular teaching, but um, we are fortunate to be able to have that, and Jude would exhort us to uh, remember the words that have been taught to us, or what the apostles wrote to us, or what the Lord Jesus uh, told us. Um, and I am so thankful for our church that focuses on the Word of God. We do very well to study the scriptures and to stick to the scriptures, and and uh, I think we all understand that we don't have to do, go too far down the road before uh, Scripture starts to get watered down or ignored. And uh, what a fortunate assembly we are to have this emphasis on uh, the words of the apostles written down for us. And we can study them together and encourage one another with them and use the words written to contend for the faith. And um, I'm challenged. I can do better about remembering. I can do better about uh, taking notes. I'm one to easily forget what I heard the moment I walk out the door. And um, here's an exhortation for us that would say, if you're going to contend for the faith, you need to know what's written down. What did the apostles say? What have we been taught? Uh, let's be a church that's focused on the Word of God and what um, we've been given as privilege to remember. So remember the words, exhortation number one. Build yourself up, verse 20. It's potentially not sufficient just to know the Word. It's to exercise. Um, we think of a military uh, army that would uh, go to war. They don't pull people off the street, give them a gun and say, okay, off to where we go. No, they, they train, they exercise, they, they give instructions and there's repeated exercises. And we too should be building ourselves up in the faith. How do we do that? Um, Study the Word of God together, discuss it together is a valuable way of, of building yourself up in the faith. I, I like to think as I study a particular passage, if I was asked to speak on this passage, what would my points be? That's, that's an entirely valuable way of looking at a particular passage. As you try and remember what it says, you can remember maybe six points in the passage and and focus in on those. So I encourage you to think of ways to build up your faith, study the Word of God, discuss it together, teach it. Start with Sunday school, maybe, youth group. Teach the Word of God to, to others who are interested, but um, an entire valid way is to discuss it with your friends. Uh, you don't have to go far to find a friend, maybe, that would want to discuss uh, what the word says, um, and we need to be prepared with good arguments. So recently, I was a participant, but more of a listener in a in a good discussion between a believer and a non-believer. 
and the believer had a very logical argument laid out for the validity of God and who God was and what God said. And, and the non-believer appreciated the way that argument was laid out and certainly left him with some good thinking points. And I believe as we build ourselves up in our faith, we need to have logical argument prepared that we can share with others. Uh, Non-believers are not coming to the meetings anymore. They're not coming to the tent crusades, but they still appreciate one-on-one discussion with friends. They're open to those discussions. So let's be prepared with good argument for what our faith is. Build ourselves up in the faith. Be prepared to share uh, the faith that the Lord has given us. And of course, building ourselves up in the faith means regular teaching as well. Regularly coming to hear the word of God taught. And that's another important way of building ourselves up in the faith. Third point for tonight then is praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm very thankful for a night like this where we can come together and and pray together. And uh, prayer is important. And um, we are praying together with the help of the Holy Spirit. uh, sometimes we don't know how to pray. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for. But the Holy Spirit helps us. At uh, New Connections Bible study last Thursday, we were looking at uh, Romans 8. And Paul says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Thankful we have the help of the Holy Spirit as as we pray together and pray together tonight, pray together regularly. Um, You don't have to stress about not knowing what to pray for because we have confidence. God already knows our heart. God knows what our prayers would be, and the Holy Spirit himself is interceding for us through uh, wordless groans. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Staying in the love of God, verse 21, is exhortation number four. Staying in love. Don't let negative things come between you and the Lord. Uh, Sin is the obvious impediment to a good relationship with the Lord. And how easy it is for sin to trip us up and and, uh, uh, interfere with communion with the Lord. Uh, We have the privileged opportunity of confessing our sin to the Lord, and he forgives us. And we need to remind ourselves regularly that he is a forgiving, compassionate, merciful God. And we should not let sin interfere with uh, the love of God in our lives. And in terms of uh, that sin accountability, uh, friends are important. As we struggle with with sin in our life, let's have friends that pray for us. Let's have friends that support us and encourage us to uh, keep short accounts with God. Um, we are compelled to stay in the love of God in order to share our faith. We would not be good 
witnesses if if we had active sin in our lives unconfessed sin and try and share our faith um, in that circumstance point number five exhortation number five waiting for the lord's return we just finished studying Peter, and Peter was emphatic. The Lord's return is not slow, it's imminent, and it's coming. And um, we're to live our lives in such a way that the Lord's uh, return will not catch us off guard. Uh, but I appreciate the sense of waiting, that um, it's a confidence wait. Um, Weight can imply a confidence in, in the Lord, and we are called to wait for the Lord's return patiently and share that hope with others. Uh, that is an es essential element of faith, that the Lord's return is soon, and we are to share that with others. And then finally, point number six is showing mercy to others. Um, People appreciate a sense of mercy, a sense of compassion. As I thought of this um, passage, I want to read it to you again. Verse 22, be merciful to those who doubt, snatch others from the fire and save them to others, show mercy, mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corruption. I paused uh, as I read these, the first uh, part, be merciful to those who doubt. And kind of wondered why would, why would Jude choose that as a starting point for showing mercy? And um, important to know that doubt was a reality in believers' lives back then, and it's a real reality uh, in our culture and age uh, Today, and I think particularly of our youth, um, they are bombarded with all sorts of facts and um, discussions against Christianity, against the Bible, and it causes them to doubt. And doubting is, is not a sin. Doubting is a reality. And we are to show mercy to those who doubt, according to Jude, not to trivialize doubt. Uh, don't assume it's going to go away. Don't assume that it will pass. Um, our youth are doubting, and we need to find ways to encourage our youth. And um, time is short, but praise the Lord for camp. Camp has an excellent opportunity to encourage youth in their faith. And one of the aspects of Camp Galilee, anyways, is the apologetics uh, weekend in the fall where youth come together and, and are taught to defend their faith. It's a great weekend for youth. I wish I could give you a sense of the joy um, that happens at camp um, when the youth get together. It's a remarkable thing, and we can um, just rejoice that there are still a good number of youth, 70 at a time, that would gather together and, and appreciate their common faith and, and be encouraged in one another and, and, um, and be taught. And um, 
there's other other opportunities besides camp for us to find ways to encourage the youth and um, uh, there's a new uh, blog site called prepare dancer that i'm paying attention to and maybe you would want to check out the site called prepare dancer it's it's um uh, some believers in southern ontario put it together but it's targeting youth and it answers some of the questions and doubts that they might have and gives them ways to defend their faith and more close to home i think the dig and delve conference that's coming and uh, it's a way to help youth uh, defend their faith and this this year in a month's time march end of march dig and delve will tackle the resurrection as a subject and and that's another way to encourage youth so if you're talking to our youth encourage them to check out dig and delve um, prepare to answer and galilee's youth camps and weekends let's be ones that would show mercy to others who don't then Jude would say, show mercy to others, snatching them even from the fire. And that speaks to me a bit of frontline efforts to snatch people away from destruction. And we don't have to go far to find someone who's struggling with alcohol or drugs, believers struggling with alcohol and drugs. And we find ways to show them mercy and draw them away from the fire. Many opportunities around us to uh, support believers who are struggling with addictions. And um, I would encourage you, if you have time and ability, to find those ways to show mercy, snatching some from the fire. And finally, mercy to all sinners in, in general is how what Jude ends up. And he says, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. As we show mercy to sinners, um, we need to have a healthy fear of sin. We need to hate the sin. Uh, we can be very complacent at times, can't we, about the sin around us. And Jude is exhorting us, if you're going to contend for the faith, if you're going to fight against this sin, hate that sin fear that sin don't be complacent about the sin that you're dealing with and uh, let's pray as as we work together uh, we would use these six exhortations to uh, allow us the ability the strength to contend for the faith i just wanted to maybe make one reference about mercy uh from a contemporary sense um I was looking for a, a recent story that might demonstrate mercy. And I want to point you to Christianity Day magazine and their coverage of the uh, Buffalo shooting, uh, where a young teenager, 18 years old, last May shot 10 blacks in East Buffalo and was just convicted, uh, given a life sentence uh, last week. The judge said, I will not show you mercy. And that's a judge's prerogative, isn't it? Judges judge. And at times, they do not show mercy. 
and that judgment was based on victim impact statements made by the 10 families of the deceased and Christianity today covers it well. Um, there were a number of Christians killed in that incident and their families made impact statements referencing scripture, reading scripture, talking about God's mercy and forgiveness. And it didn't make uh, mainstream news, but Christianity Today has covered it well. I encourage you to um, check it out. I'm gonna read you one uh, article that's titled In a Sea of National Tragedy, Consider the Buffalo Christians. And um, one little blurb says, East Buffalo may not have any other grocery stores than the top store that was targeted, but it has assets. The Buffalo News counted 15 houses of worship within six blocks of the Topps grocery store. One churchgoer, Queenie Cottrell, told the news that her church will forgive that shooter as painful, as hard as that is, she added, we are not going to let him and others like him destroy our church community and neighborhood. Queenie was willing to show mercy to that young man, was willing to forgive him. And even tonight, I think we could pray for the Christians in East Buffalo who are dealing with this tragedy, uh, reacting to the news of the conviction, reacting to the judge's statement, I will not show mercy. And uh, we could pray that the Christian testimony is strong in East Buffalo and, and across the nation as, as they react to that decision. Um, I am thankful that we have a judge who is merciful. Jude says, you are called and you are kept by Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, Peace and love be yours in abundance. Praise God, we have a merciful judge. Finally, the exclamation point as we wrap up tonight. It's the Jude doxology. And a doxology simply means words of praise, sometimes recorded in scripture, sometimes recorded in song. And I love this doxology. It's been an encouragement to me for many, many years, as I'm sure it has for you. And Jude would wrap up his letter, and I think he comes back to, I wanted to write to you about our common salvation. And here he says, now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Let those words permeate your mind as we contend for the faith. We have an awesome salvation. We have a glorious, majestic, powerful God who's in full authority on earth. Um, as we contend for the faith, we could think, um, we're losing this battle. No. God's in control. God is sovereign. God's in authority. Victory is guaranteed. And um, we can look forward to the Lord's return where we will enjoy this time presented by the Lord Jesus, presented without fault, and there will be great joy. 
And I ask you, whose joy is being referred to here? I don't think it's our joy. I think we're going to be awestruck. I think we're being, going to be humble. I think we're going to be um, subdued. This is God's joy. This is Jesus's joy. This is the Holy Spirit's joy. This is the angel's joy that's being talked about. Um, I want to remind you, just in closing, some words about the, the Lord's joy. Hebrews 12, 2 comes to mind first. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Jude is writing about Jesus' joy as he presents us to the Father. John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be made full. But now as I come to you in these, John 17, 13, But now I come to you in these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Luke 10, 21, at that very time, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, O Lord, our Father on earth. You have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this was well-pleasing in your sight. And then Luke 15, 5 to 7, referencing the good shepherd, the Lord would say, when he had found it, the lost sheep. When he had found the lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which is lost. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. There's going to be joy in heaven. It's the Lord's joy. And my Final point is, as we appreciate that scene of glory, that scene of majesty, and that scene of joy, the Lord's joy should give us joy. And as we go forth to contend for the faith, we can go forth in joy. Praise the Lord. I leave you with these thoughts tonight.